0: we just sang, I need thee, need thee every hour. The psalm that we're looking at this morning from which this hymn is taken, Psalm 86, uh, that that may be too long. I, I need thee not only every hour, I need thee every minute. I need thee every second. As soon as I've just stated the, the vast need that I have for Christ, before that comes out of my mouth, I find myself more in need for him again. So this song that we're looking at uh, might not resonate with you if you feel like you've got things pretty well under control. In fact, you might be tempted to think, yeah, you know, I'll take a nap or do something else for the next 40 minutes or so because this one really doesn't apply to me. And let me encourage you, let me actually beg of you, that if you feel that way at all, in the slightest, then you need this far more than anything else. Please hear God's holy inerrant word as I read it. This is from Psalm 86, a prayer of David. Hear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am devoted to you. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, for you, you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. In the day of my trouble, I will call to you, for you will answer me. Among the gods, there there is none like you, O Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart so that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. The arrogant are attacking me, O God. A band of ruthless men seeks my life. Men without regard for you. But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Praise be to the Lord. O Lord, thank you. Thank you for your gracious, loving kindness, for the way that you hear us in our weakness, for the way that you usher us into your presence so that you might hear us, and that we might know that you hear us. Oh Lord, we pray that you would lead us and direct us. Help this more and more to be our prayer and our song. For we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. This song is a prayer, and prayer and songs often overlap in the, in the Scripture. They're not, not all prayers are songs, and not all songs are prayer, but this is one of the psalms, one of the songs that God has given to his people in the Psalter, those 150 songs that, that God has given us to sing. And yet this psalm in particular, in, in the little inscription at the, at the top, describes it as a prayer of David. That this is a song that David is singing to the Lord, asking him for help. And I remember having grown up in the church and having heard people pray in lots of different contexts and worship services like this, and Sunday school classes, and Bible studies, and all kinds of gatherings before meals, after meals, before. Uh, four birthday party cakes uh after uh the the winning of the game, all these kinds of different places you hear god 's people praying and I remember as a young man thinking gosh i i can't pray like you know the the really good prayers have you ever have you ever had that where where you 're at some function and to your horror you realize well, oh no wait they're like praying around in a circle that I'm standing in. So it's like, it's going to come around to my turn, and they're all praying out loud. And, and like, they've been to graduate school in prayer, right? They, they know how to pray where it sounds really impressive. Do you know all those fancy words are not what God actually commends to us? Here is a prayer that I'm calling the song of the week, because it starts out, Hear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. And I think oftentimes in our prayers, we forget the fact that we're poor and needy. Or it certainly sounds like we're not actually thinking that as, as we pray. But the scripture tells us that God hears us not because of our eloquence. God hears us not even for what the world tells us of the sincerity of our hearts. Because the scripture goes on and says, Your hearts are desperately wicked. If you're banking on God hearing you because you really are sincere, you're in deep trouble. It's not our sincerity, it's not our eloquence, it's not our righteousness that has anything to do with God hearing our prayer, it is entirely based on Christ's holiness, sincerity, and accomplishment of all good things that he gives to us on our behalf. We pray in Jesus' name, not as some rabbit's tail, or rabbit's foot, rather. Rabbit's tail, that's not right. Right? It's not just, you know, kind of, sprinkling holy water on our prayers and hoping that that works you say well but wait you're we're looking at this psalm that's before christ even came david here doesn't pray in jesus's name well no in fact he does every time you see in the scripture lord where it's it's all caps it's yahweh and as we saw in our year working through the book of Philippians, Jesus has received that name that is above every other name, the Lord's name Yahweh, the God of the covenant. So David here prays in the Old Testament's version of Jesus' name. He's not only praying in his name but he's praying by faith exhibited by all the times that he says Lord hear me because or for, for I am your child, for you are my God. He's he's approaching God because of God's promises to him as part of God's people. And that's exactly what we do when we pray in Jesus' name, because Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those promises. In our time looking at this song and prayer, I want us to look at these four things, and let me just help you uh, a little bit in terms of listening. I'm going to spend more time on, on the first point than the other three points. The other, the last three points go pretty quickly. So when you get to that point of, oh my goodness, he's still on point one, it, it's okay. The three, uh, two, three, and four go quickly. But these, these four points. First, let us learn with David in the school of prayer. And we'll, we'll look at how this is not only a prayer, but a model for us in prayer. Second, We need to deepen our intimacy with God through prayer. That's one of the reasons that God has given us prayer in in general, is, is that we might grow in that knowledge of him and intimacy with him. Third, let us see ourselves more accurately through prayer. Not only do we learn about God in prayer, but we also learn about ourselves in prayer. And then fourth, let us trust Messiah together in our prayer. So the, the first thing for us to look at here is how do we learn about prayer with David in this school of prayer that God's given us in Psalm 86. The, this song is given not only as a prayer but also as a model for prayer. And there are a couple of different ways that we see that in the text. First, it's part of the Psalter. God's given us these 150 so- songs for us to sing and pray in, in us learning what it means to pray. And that he doesn't limit our singing only to the Psalter. In fact, in your Taken Gathered worship home that I'm going to have you hopefully look at through the week, there are several different passages there where it talks about singing and praying, and and those kind of used interchangeably. But also we have the place in in Colossians where he encourages us to encourage one another in songs, psalms, and hymns. God doesn't limit our singing to only the psalms, but he he kind of gets us started. He gives us 150 different examples to sing these, but also then he's made us with creativity to to make new songs that that should follow these same kind of patterns. Second, we see the subscription that I mentioned to you already at the beginning as, as it being a prayer of David, but But David here is not just as an individual, he's also as the king of God's people. And so his prayers, his songs, are to serve as a model for us. He's leading his people into prayer. Just as when he brought the tabernacle by God's command into Jerusalem, David danced before the Lord, not not just in his own exuberance, But he was leading the people into, Yahweh has come to dwell with us. And much against his wife's embarrassment about him as a dignified king. Dancing and and making what she thought a fool of himself. Rather, David saw his role, rightly, as the king of God's people, to lead us in foolish exuberance, at least in the world's eyes. Do you know, sometimes in prayer, being in God's presence, we might just find ourselves undone. And God actually commends that. Remember Jesus talking about the Pharisee and the tax gatherer who went into the temple to pray? And the Pharisee said, oh Lord, I thank you that I'm not like all these other sinners. Where the tax gatherer just Keen in front of the Lord. Forgive me, sinner. Unable to say anything eloquent. Barely able to speak at all. Before the holy, matchless God. If we're praying the way that the scripture teaches us to pray, we'll have far more groaning in our prayers than we have eloquence. Now, That's not to say that there's not a place for composing careful written prayers and praying with eloquence. It's the God of the universe that we're speaking to after all. But that can become wooden and rote. David starts this prayer confessing that I am poor and needy. It's a good place to start. But not only do we find this humility in prayer, very briefly I just want to talk about the occasion, the substance, and the basis of prayers that we, we learn from David here. He comes to the Lord in the occasion of his need, he's not only admitting these things and humbling himself by recognizing uh, these things uh, before the Lord, but he actually has a need. And I think in in America today, we we often don't want to even admit that we have needs. We would rather just ignore that altogether. And. In, in the last several weeks, I know several of us have had flooding and damage and all kinds of havoc because of the rains. And, and please hear me, that the world around us in such instances tends to stress our resilience. And, and our resilience is a good thing, but, but we need to always recognize that any resilience that we happen to have is a gift of the Lord himself. And so the impulse to be Vermont strong, right? We're going to pull ourselves through this, is actually lunacy. When we see the floodwaters that could wipe a house off of its foundation and leave nothing there, no trace of anything there whatsoever, for us to respond with, we will rebuild, without first falling on our faces and saying, Lord, you alone are God. Our pluck in such instances is arrogance. Now, we need to recognize the occasion of our prayer is because we're weak and needy people. But not only do we need to see the occasion, but also the substance. David here is writing this, this song and prayer because he's poor and needy, because he's being besieged and all of these things, but but also he comes with an actual message to the Lord. And I want you to see two different different things uh, here. First, there's a request, a series of requests, and then uh, also the praise that that. David gives even in the midst of his need. You see, in both these requests and and praises, he's acknowledging his position. God, you are God. You alone are God. And and I am but a creature. But I'm your creature. And we have this relationship, not because of anything that I've done, but because of your grace, because of your mercy, because out of all of the mass of humanity, you plucked Abraham out of the masses and, and decided to make him... The father of a multitude, and to be God to him and to take him as your people. that That's the only reason we have to come before the Lord in these things. And we see in this these requests. So for instance, he mentions or asks the Lord to hear him twice. He asks the Lord to listen. He asks the Lord to answer him, to turn toward him, to guard him, to save him twice, to have mercy twice, to bring joy, to teach, to give two different times, and to grant. He comes into the Lord's presence asking for things from the Lord. And again, oftentimes we're very reticent to do this. No, no, I'm, I'm okay. No, oftentimes as pastor, I'll call on you when you've been in the hospital or you've had some horrific thing happen, and... And so often when I ask, how can we help you? Oh, we're, we're fine. We're, we're okay, thanks. And, and again, that, that's great on one level, but not so great on the other level. And, and you may not need anything from me in particular, but that's not the point. How can we as God's people come alongside you? We need to to recognize that we are needy, and if we are needy, to then ask for the things that we need. And that's what we find here with David. Lots of requests in his prayer. But that's not all he does. He also praises God. He thanks God. He acknowledges the truthfulness of God. So he says things like, you are my God. You are forgiving. You are good. You are bounding in love twice you were peerless or matchless. You were great. You were the only God. You are my deliverer. You were compassionate. You were slow to anger. You are faithful. You help those in need. You comfort. You see, in, in both the requests and then the praises, the focus is on God. Lord, you have what I need, so I'm coming to you to ask for these things. And as I'm asking you for these things, I'm also acknowledging the greatness, the wonder of who you are. The substance of David's prayer here is very God-centered. And I think so often, we will, we will do some of the same asking and thanking or praising, but, but ours oftentimes are, are very much focused on us. He asks God for things, but sometimes we ask by saying, I need this because I, because I, because this, because me, because I. Rather than saying, Lord, you know know what I need, and, and here's I'm admitting, I'm agreeing with you. Yes, I need this. Would you hear me? Would you listen? Would you grant because of your goodness, of your greatness, But not only do we see the occasion and the substance of the prayer, we also see the basis of the prayer. Again and again, he uses this little word for, F-O-R. He asks, hear and answer me, why? For I am poor and needy. Guard my life, why? For I am devoted to you. You could just as easily use the word because there instead of for. Have mercy on me, O Lord, because I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant because to you, O oh Lord, I lift up my soul. So he makes all of these requests and asks because he is needy, because he is pledged to God, because of, of these things. But, but then as he turns to praise the Lord, all, the, the real basis is not just his neediness, but is God's promise. It is God's faithfulness. It is God's mercy. The the basis that we have to ask God anything, the basis that we have to approach God to begin with, is because of his great mercy. We are his people according to his promise, and he hears us based on that mercy. This is not just here in the Psalms, but it is again and again and again in the Scripture. We're, We're shown how God... Not only calls Abram, but responds to him because of his mercy. We see how God delivers the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage, out of sin. Why? Because of God's great mercy. He goes with the people into the promised land. Why? Because they're obviously such great a spiritual people. No. They go into the present into the promised land having the whole first generation died in the desert more than a million and only two Joshua and Caleb are part of that first generation who go into the promised land that's not a stellar recommendation of these people they go into the promised land with God going before them why? because God is merciful because God has promised by himself on his own honor, because of his own character, that he will take them to a blessing that they don't deserve. Again and again, this is the theme of Scripture, that he treats us based on his mercy. And this is ultimately what we see in Christ. Even after the captivity, even after the horror of the being expunged from the land and and being carted off to to Babylon. Even after 70 years, they still don't repent, and he brings them back anyway because of his great mercy. And 400 years they're in, in the promised land, and still they don't get it. And so God sends God the Son because of his mercy. They still haven't deserved it. They still haven't done anything to to cause God to do this. He does it because of his mercy. Praise be to God. And so it is in Christ and through Christ that we are to pray as an expression of our faith to God. So let me just cover real briefly these last three pieces, and, and they're designed to just be quick. First, let us deepen our intimacy with God through prayer. If we recognize these things about God, the more that we pray to Him, the more that we sing these kinds of songs to Him, that it's like any relationship. As we we communicate, hearing Him from His Word and then praying that back to Him, the more that we get to know what God is actually like. The more that He uses to reveal Himself in and through His Word. That as we pray, we experience His loving kindness. Chesed. The, the faithfulness of God to his promises. that That in this connection, in this prayer we grow closer to him as we know more about him and open ourselves more to him. Don't you find this in your marriage? Don't you find this in your relationship with your children or grandchildren? That if you don't talk with them very much, you don't get to know them very much and so you don't have very much intimacy with them but the more that you share your life that you open up that you admit yes these are my needs these are the weaknesses that i have oh lord you know them all but i want to confess them to you i want you to to know that i see these weaknesses in me and i'm asking you to do what only you can do to help me in these things we'll find a deepness of our intimacy with god through prayer in this way and then we'll not only see God better, but we'll see ourselves more accurately. As, as we pray and see God more rightly as he truly is, the better that we understand ourselves. His great love for us. Why, why did Jesus need to go to the cross for us? Is, is our sin really that bad? Yes, but we constantly try to minimize it. I mean, I know it's bad, but not that bad. But then as you look to the cross, as you see all that Jesus has done, wow. And and then even being born again, even having this relationship with God, I continue to struggle. Even to to read my Bible as I should, to pray as I should. These things don't just come easily. But I've got to work at these things. Oh Lord, as you reveal yourself to me and show me the, the needs that I have, I better understand myself and that helps me then to better trust in god in what we're doing that leads us to the last part of trusting messiah together in prayer and and i want to close with this 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 particular instance of crying out to the lord in our need and then trusting him to meet that need it's here in verse 11 He says, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. So that that ask, that request for an undivided heart, first and foremost it shows that David is aware that his heart is divided. That that in his love for God, he's he's divided. He he loves God with part of his heart, and yet he loves God. The things of the flesh he loves himself far more than he loves god at times as well and so knowing this and as he prays teach me your way O lord and i will walk in your truth he recognizes okay if i'm gonna do that i really need to have you god do something about my divided heart so please give me an undivided heart so that with an with a a whole heart i may fear your name without distraction, without anything in me leading me astray. David is asking God to help make him more like the Messiah that he's longing for. He's asking God to help him in living righteously, in obeying joyfully. And he's In expressing this desire, this request, he's expressing, see, his longing to be with God fully. He's he's standing on the promises of God. I will be your God and you will be my people. And there will will be a time when there will be nothing left in between us. When you will love me with your whole heart. And so David's saying, yes, Lord. That's what I want. I, I don't want to just dance in exuberance before you in, in, in the tabernacle one moment and, and then be filled with lust for Bathsheba on another moment. No, I, I just want to love you fully and obey you joyfully. But then notice what David goes on to do. Having just asked God to do this, to give him an undivided heart, notice what comes next in verse 12. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. Isn't that extraordinary? What did he just ask God for and thereby admit that he didn't have? He just admitted, Lord, I can't worship you. I I can't praise you with all my heart because my heart's divided. I need you to give me an undivided heart. But then he goes on to declare, I will. Not, I hope to, I'd like to, it sure be nice if I. No, he says, I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. What's, what is that? It's a proclamation of faith. It's him saying, I've asked God for this thing wasn't a Lamborghini. It wasn't something to, to, for me to enjoy in my flesh. I was asking God for something that is I know to be in his will. He wants me to have an undivided heart with which to praise him. And I've asked him for that in faith. And so I know what? That he will do it. I know that he will do that, because he tells me in his word that if I ask him for things that are in his will, he will do them. And so David follows his request of God with faith in him. I know that you will do this. It's it's like Abraham, who's told to sacrifice the, the son of promise, Isaac, and he has no idea how that's going to work. Because God has, has provided Isaac. And he is the child of promise. It's through Isaac that the entire salvation of all of God's people hinge. And then God says, okay, take him up and, and sacrifice him. What? But Abraham, by faith, heads up the mountain. I don't know how you're going to do this, God. But you've promised it. Beloved, do you see that that's what God is calling us to do? In the midst of all kinds of confusion, in the midst of all kinds of things of, I don't know how that's going to work. And for us to be careful, we're not not expecting God to do things just because we want Him to do. But we're growing in our knowledge of the Word of God so that we know what He has actually promised. Not, Not... using his word to our convenience. But Lord, you've said you'll make your name glorified. And you've said you're going to do that throughout all the world. And so that means that you're going to glorify your name here in Woodstock and throughout Vermont, and throughout New Hampshire, into the ends of the world. And I don't have any idea how you're going to do that. That's way above my pay grade. But you've said you're going to do that. And so when I, by faith, say, Lord, use me, help me to reach my neighbor in Christ's name, I don't know how you're going to do that. But I do know this, your name will be glorified. At the end of the day, my neighbor may or may not come to you. I may end up with egg on my face or not. I may be laughed out of town, but if I trust you and your promises and say you have said you will glorify your name throughout all the earth and then I step out in faith to glorify your name, you will do it. And I can take that to the bank and I can step out in faith and tell everyone that will listen to me Jesus alone is God! And his promises will stand for all eternity that is the boldness that we receive by being weak he says in your weakness i will be strong beloved we struggle as a church here at fccw not because god is not strong enough But God, help us. It is often because we refuse to be weak. We refuse to humble ourselves, admit our weakness, and say, okay, Lord, you've promised what you will do, so we're going to take you at your word. May God forgive us of our arrogance and make us far more weak to his great glory. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, you have conquered death. There's no difficulty with your strength. Oh Lord, but forgive us for there is great difficulty with us admitting our weakness. Help us, Lord, to bow before you, to submit to you, and simply to take you at your word. For it's in Christ's great name that we pray.